Well, ladies and gentlemen, it's time to go inside EMS, and we bring a really important story to you today. And on the 17th of December in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, two of our peers were shot multiple times in the chest, uh, aiding a person who needed some assistance, and that led to the paramedic shooting the assailant. And we really want to break this down, because Kelly and I have talked about this topic over and over and now I think the floodgate has finally opened, and I think that this now is going to be a catalyst. But Kelly, as we get into this very important topic, you know, the first thing that I want to do, and I, I know that I probably echo your sentiments as well, is we want to send our best regard to the paramedics. We want to go ahead and make sure that they have a speedy recovery. My understanding is they've had surgery, they may need multiple surgery, they're in stable condition. But before we get into this topic, uh, I know you and I want to send them our well wishes and and uh, for a speedy recovery. Yeah, yeah, best best wishes uh, by all means, Joshua Godfrey and John Spriggs Senior, uh, the two medics injured by this assailant. Uh, we hope that they uh, recover swiftly and completely and can go back to work taking care of the citizens of Pine Bluff. Yeah, Chris, this is this is uh, one of those things that we we've been kind of uh, anticipating and and uh, dreading the day it came. Uh, and the the opponents of arming EMS providers uh, uh, have said this day would come and and uh, said you know just wait till a paramedic shoots somebody and the and the firestorm it's going to create. Uh, hopefully this doesn't create a firestorm, uh, but it's a uh, it's always a serious thing when when someone is is forced to take a life, uh, and they did in this case. Uh, this was not the 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 opponents of of arming EMS kind of a scenario where they they say that some assailant takes the uh, uh, takes the the gun from you in the back of the rig and someone winds up getting hurt uh, that sort of thing this this actually played out apparently like a, a legitimate self defense scenario where someone shot at the paramedics uh, first attacked them physically and then and then shot at them uh, and hit them multiple times. And the paramedic carrying a uh, firearm uh, drew his own weapon, aimed fire, and shot better than the assailant did. Hesitate to call this a win, you know, because it's a never win when you uh, uh, take someone's life, uh, even if it was in legitimate self-defense. But this is uh, this is going to to uh, have long-lasting uh, implications for for uh, our profession, I think, and I, this may be the first of of a number of such incidents that we see. The thing that, that uh, concerns me a bit is that uh, uh, I can't find anywhere in Arkansas EMS statutes or in Arkansas state statutes where it is legal for EMS providers to carry a weapon while on duty. Uh, and I doubt that it's, it's within the policies of emergency ambulance service, uh, their employer. So I, I don't know what ramifications this will have disciplinary and employment wise for uh for the paramedic who returned fire um but it could be potentially problematic you know and and, and i hope that that doesn't happen uh but that's one of those risks you take where you uh um choose to carry a firearm in a non-permissive environment well i don't know that we know the specifics about the uh you know the policies of the organization we don't yeah. know the specifics well, I about and, so i looked up uh, arkansas statutes and could not find anything relevant to EMS providers carrying firearms. That doesn't mean that, you know, uh, that it doesn't exist. I just couldn't find it. So, but I think that one of the things that I, I really want to focus on is not the specifics of this agency, 
mm-hmm. not the specifics of this call, uh, but the specifics of what happened. You know, one of the things that I think was very important here is that someone shot an EMS provider in the chest, mm-hmm. two multiple EMS providers in the chest. Obviously, mm-hmm. they were wearing body armor, and, uh, you know, hopefully they were. I mean, it would seem that if you're shot in the chest, uh, there could be other outcomes than yeah. just being in stable condition. But uh, I think that one of the things that happened here now is that it's happened. Someone has yeah. shot a paramedic. Someone has shot a paramedic in the chest, two paramedics in the chest. And now what's happened is we've set a standard. More and more people now will see this in the news, and the people that have malintent will now think it's okay to shoot at paramedics. Now, with that said, you know, 15, 20 years ago, it was unheard of yeah. that police, were being, police officers were being shot. It was unheard of that police officers were getting ambushed while they were eating their lunch, while they were sitting in their squad car. So now what we see on a regular basis, and and, and it's almost monthly now, where a police officer is being shot. As, As this starts to happen in our society, it seems that the people that have the bad intent now don't think it's a bad idea to shoot at police officers, to ambush them while they're eating, to ambush them while they're sitting in their car doing their reports. My fear now is that a paramedic, two paramedics have been shot, and that uh, people are going to say, well, I guess it's not a bad idea to shoot at EMS providers, to shoot at ambulances. And one of the things that we have to think about now, Kelly, is I'm going to say it, as an EMS leader, and you often ask me, Chris, you're an EMS manager, what do you do? I think I have to start having the discussion with my leadership team about, is it time to figure out how we start to arm paramedics? And, and uh you know, is it a discussion that takes a month? I don't think so. But, uh, you know, I think that this opens up a gate, and I think that people are going to try to walk through it. Kelly, what do you think? Yeah. You know, I, I, I don't necessarily agree with you that this will uh, that uh, this will encourage other people, uh, you know, other um, uh, bad actors to, to – or embolden them to attack or shoot at paramedics. Uh uh, as we saw in this case, uh, uh, one fool uh, played stupid games and won a stupid prize. He messed around and found out, um, and apparently the the paramedic uh, shot better than he did. So, didn't work out real well for him opening fire on a pair of paramedics. Um, so, I, I don't know that uh, uh, that that uh, it's all that encouraging for uh, for the people who would who would attempt that sort of thing. Uh, but I, I don't want to focus so much on, on the deterrent factor or the encouraging factor. It's just, um, this is, uh, what it bodes for, for people in, in, in EMS, whether they choose to carry a firearm, if so legal. Um, you know, I've said in this podcast and in the past, uh, I've had two consistent positions. Um, I don't believe it's a good idea to arm EMS providers uh, or make it mandatory that they carry weapons. By by no means should it be mandatory. But I don't think it's a real good idea overall to arm EMS providers because it the change in your mindset from being the caregiver mindset to the defensive mindset is a is a pretty radical shift in the way you have to think. Um, and the other thing I've consistently said that even though I have my misgivings about it, I would never deny a uh, fellow human being 
the legal right to defend themselves. And if the laws allow carry of a, a firearm on the ambulance, then then I would by no means have any issue with that. And, and I wouldn't feel uncomfortable uh, working with a partner who is so armed. Um, what worries me is what this is going to do mentally and emotionally to the uh, to the um, paramedic who, who returned fire. Um, you know, you could say, uh, from from uh, hundreds of miles away that it was a good shoot and, and uh, good for him you know he, he's, he defended his life and saved the life of his his partner and himself um, but but there's an emotional and psychic toll to be paid for that sort of thing when any good man has to do uh, a horrible act even in self-defense and this is this is kind of what I, I worry about here this and and it's broader implications, not just for EMS, but for the Second Amendment firearms rights community. Uh, you know, in in my circles, there's there's consistent debate uh, and and considerable thought given to carrying a firearm in a non-permissive environment. When I say non-permissive environment, I don't mean federally prohibited, you know, courthouses, banks, uh, post offices, that sort of thing where you could, you could, uh, go to jail for quite some time. Uh, I'm talking about places where, uh, it may be legal to carry a firearm, but this particular business doesn't want firearms on their premises or, or, uh, or your workplace doesn't want it. And, uh, I have a, a number of friends who, who, you know, really, uh, they're, they're safe law abiding people and they, they, they um, worry about that sort of thing. Should I or should I not carry a firearm in a non-permissive environment when, you know, at most the uh, at most the penalty against me would be a uh, losing my job or, or a charge of trespassing if I refuse to leave, and at best I could save my life uh, or the life of my coworkers or loved ones uh, if the unthinkable happened. And they put a lot of thought into that sort of thing. And generally, the the you know. Uh, it, it's, they boil it down to, you know, I'd rather be judged by 12 than carried by six. Uh, and that's an oversimplification of it. But, but this is something that's on the mind of a lot of, uh, firearms rights advocates out there. If the unthinkable happened and I'm carrying a firearm in a non-permissive environment and I have to use it, God forbid, what is this going to do to, uh, not only my, uh, what kind of legal ramifications will it have for me, but what kind of legal, uh, what kind of ramifications will it have for the gun rights community as a whole? How will it paint gun owners in, in public opinion? And, and that's something that a lot of us debate about and, and worry about when we consider, you know, carrying a firearm where, where um, uh, local ordinances or business practices say we, we should not. Um, and I hope this works out for the paramedics involved, but, but it's going to, uh, it's going to open a can of worms. I think the, the can is, can is open and the worms are slithering every, everywhere. And we will probably see more things like this, uh, in the future. It looks like this was a good shoot and, and I'm, uh, glad that the medics survived, uh, and that this, uh, from what we read in the newspaper was, uh, was legally justifiable, and we hope that the uh, legal ramifications and what it does to uh, the medic who returned fire uh, isn't too uh, isn't too onerous and uh, doesn't affect him too badly. That's my hope. And I think you bring up some you bring up a lot of good points in that in that uh, you know multi minute rant that I think <laughs> I want to be able to talk about that I want to be able to talk about Kelly 
uh, you know, a little bit specific, right? I mean, so mm-hmm. when we think about it, you, you bring up some great points about the compassion mindset versus the shooting mindset and how that needs to shift. One of the things that I think we have to be able to train our, our EMS providers now is in that is in that mentality, right? If we're going to yeah. give them the opportunity to carry on duty, and, and, and what does that look like? Does that look like people that have uh, concealed carries, that they're able to bring their weapons? I, I don't think it's as easy as that. I think there really has to be training. I think there has to be similar training then uh, if this is where an agency wants to go, it has to be similar training to what law enforcement gets. Uh, you need to be able to understand uh, the legalities of all this. Uh, you know, you go through all this when you, you take your concealed uh, handgun classes, but I think it now changes. Now, one of the things that I will challenge is to say that people who are carrying weapons, and uh, you and I both uh, have concealed handgun uh, mm-hmm. licenses, we're able to uh, uh, carry our weapons, and hopefully we never have to use them. But if we do, in our mind, we've gone through the process of what that's going to look like and what's that's, what that's going to feel yeah. like. There, there are several times a year that I will lay in my bed, that I will sit in my living room, that I will be in my garage, and I will say, someone just came in the back door. Someone just came in the front door. Someone is in my house. And I will... I will imagine what that's like for me and I will walk my house and I will see where I will stand depending on where the entry is and and so on and so forth. And I think that a lot of us that have this uh, opportunity to to, uh, carry a weapon, we go through this mental um, uh, preparation, right? Mm Because that's really what it comes down to. How do these people that you see on Facebook are able to peel that weapon out of their holster and shoot a 13, uh, you know, 13 round magazine with precision because they're practicing and they're doing those things every day. So I do want to challenge the fact that if I'm delivering care to somebody and all of a sudden they pull a weapon out from their waistband and they're getting ready to point it at me, I have no problem with the fact of taking that weapon and now being able to defend myself to the best of my ability. Now yeah. I'm there to give you. I'm there to give you the best care that I got. I'm there to give you the compassion that I got. I'm there to let you feel my empathy. But I'm also there to let you feel my wrath if you decide to take me away from my children. I think that's number one. Number two is I believe that every time, and we look at this from a, from society, from a sociological standpoint, that any time you break a barrier. More and more times this is going to happen. You know, in the, in the, uh, I was watching the uh, news uh, from uh, Pine Bluff and they had the CEO of the agency on and uh, he said uh, very poignantly that something like this has never happened before, right? But we knew it was going to happen. We knew that this was going to happen. And I am not as optimistic as you are. You know, when we think of foresight, when we think of conceptualization, we've got to take past experiences and put it into the vision of what it's going to look like tomorrow. And what it's going to look like tomorrow is that people are going to think that they can use this as an opportunity, whether it's for more assaults, whether it's for pulling a firearm, whether it's for taking a, a blade out whether it's for whatever that is. And if we don't look at it with the aspect to say that this could be happening more and more, we're going to fail our workforce, we're going to fail the career field. And as leaders now, at least in my standpoint, and and anytime you and I give our opinions, that's what we're doing is we're giving Mm -hmm. our opinions and they don't reflect anything else or any agency that we work for. 
But I do think that if we don't think about what the future of this looks like for our workforce, we are going to be behind the curve. But I got to tell you, I sit on top of my own agency. I read this and I watch this and I see what happens. I've got to think about what happens next in my in my uh, organization. Yeah, and and if this does spur, you know, uh, legislatures and 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 agency leaders and, and management to to allow uh, uh, firearms carry on duty, um, one would hope that that their policies are well thought out uh, and well considered. Um, and that at, at the very least, carrying a firearm on duty would probably require uh, a little more extensive training in shoot, no shoot scenarios and weapons retention than the typical concealed handgun license course uh, uh, covers. Uh, because uh, most CHL courses uh, don't consider that sort of thing. Uh, weapons retention was, was not covered. In, in my CHL course or, or any CHL course of which I'm familiar and only a few uh, shoot no shoot scenarios and, and that is something that that it's a different environment than than carrying a, a firearm as a civilian uh, <clears throat> and uh, where you can do things like avoid bad areas <laughs> because the likelihood of, of an assault or an, an armed conflict is higher. You just stay out of those areas. Don't go to the ATM at 2 o'clock in the morning in the bad part of town. Don't go into that shady section of town where all the drug houses and the and the, the crime is. You know, you avoid those things. Um, but we can't do that as EMS providers. So, so I would think that the training needs to be uh, a little bit more uh, extensive. And the uh, but but if it were to happen, I, I have no issues with it. Um, uh, I've said uh, another thing I've said in this podcast many times is what do I think will happen if if we allow uh, EMS providers to carry a firearm on duty? A whole bunch of nothing. You know, because what it would do is uh, it's not like every EMS provider is going to go out and buy a firearm and start carrying it. It just means that people who already own concealed weapons permits and, and concealed handguns licenses will start carrying their firearm in one more place if they choose to. And, yeah, and demographically, a, but, but demographically, Chris, those people are already among the safest demographics in society, the most law-abiding. You know, 99.999% of the time, they don't do anything and they don't employ their firearms and this just they would just start carrying it in one other place and and no, I, I agree I with think you. that if we had if we had shoots if we had incidents where where uh, um, paramedics shot someone uh, uh, the vast majority of the time they would probably be legally justified shoots I don't think it's going to turn into the wild west people that, that fear and don't understand firearms say that every time firearms laws are are loosened and it never comes to pass. So I, I think, but any, even one incident is a bad look for EMS, and and I really sincerely hope that does not happen. Yeah, I got to tell you, man, I'm not worried about the look anymore. I'm not worried well, about the look. Yeah, if I you would if I got to go judged by judged by twelve and carried by six, I, I get it. You know, but I, but I think that that's you know still the point of 
I don't think it's people with concealed handgun licenses are now able to bring their weapons to work. I don't, I don't think that that's the way this works. I think that we've got to be able to develop a strategy to ensure that, the, you know, we're able to use those weapons similarly to that of our law enforcement partners. And, you know, does that mean that it's everybody? No, maybe it's the senior person on the rig who uh, is feels comfortable with that. You know, there's a lot of discussions about, and you say this all the time, you know, a, a good guy with a gun, uh, you know, takes out a, you know, what's yeah. the, I don't even, what, the what's the saying? That, the only thing that stops a bad guy with a gun is a good guy with a gun. Yeah. So, I mean, and that's a, that's a, and, and that's not a Kelly Grayson colloquialism. That's what you hear all the time. Right. Mm -hmm. And I think that one of the things that we've got to worry about now is the safety of our workforce. And, you know, and again, is, is this, you know, do I sit here and say that this is something that I put into my organization tomorrow? No, I don't. But I do think that we fail the organization. I do think we fail at our workforce if we don't start to have serious discussions about what yeah. this looks like. The I conversation needs point. to be had. I want to make this point. Exactly. I want to make this point. We had this discussion, Kelly, when we wanted to put body armor on our people. Mm -hmm. And this was the worst thing in the world. And oh my gosh, we're opening a can of worm. We're opening a Pandora's box to find a can of worms. And oh my goodness, this is just going to make us seem like combatants. And oh my, you know what? It looks like that this was some of the right things to do. More and more EMS agencies are now arming, are now allowing their workforce and, and, and getting their workforce body armor that they can wear on duty. And, mm -hmm. you know, we're not talking about that anymore, right? And, again, I don't know that the, the, the uh, EMS professionals down there in Pine Bluff are wearing body armor. It certainly feels that way. I mean, just when mm -hmm. you hear that, uh, you know, both were shot multiple times uh, and we know that there were chest wounds, can we assume that they were wearing body armor? Well, I'm assuming it, but I don't know for sure. But, you know, one of the things that we've got to think about now is when we, when we decided to go to body armor, it was the worst thing in the world. But now more and more people are doing it, and not because of ego, because they feel that it's necessary. Well, is this the next necessary step, and do we have to now start having that discussion, Kelly Grayson? Uh, I think we do, uh, and the discussion will be different for, for each state, uh, individual, and the EMS agency. But, yes, it is a discussion that we need to have, uh, and, and uh, the... Uh, I don't know that the floodgates have opened, but uh, we have here an object lesson in, in uh, the problem faced before us. Uh, and every responsible EMS agency is probably going to have to address this. But, hey, that's what we think. We'd like to hear what you think. Do you think we should, uh, in, in light of recent events, we should start seriously considering arming our EMTs or at least allowing them to go armed if they meet certain uh, requirements? We'd like to hear your thoughts at the show at ems1.com. And for myself and co-host Chris Sotolero, and wishing a speedy recovery to the paramedics injured in Pine Bluff, Arkansas, thanks for tuning in to Inside EMS. We'll catch you guys next week.